In today's episode of the Optimal CEO podcast, I'll be sharing with you some new emerging information about a little known group of compounds that hands down will probably be the future of medicine, easily making brain fog a thing of the past. So stay tuned. Here at the Optimal CEO Podcast, we help CEO entrepreneurs who love taking ownership of their wellness journey because they know it's their most prized investment. And when their state of wellness is at its peak, their income soars. We want to help relieve CEO entrepreneurs from the pressure of unnecessary health exposure so they can be highly focused on growing their business and physically optimized for the journey so they can enjoy getting there. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Brown, and I'd like to personally welcome you to today's podcast episode. Thank you for joining me. So what are these miracle compounds I'm talking about? I'll tell you more about the specifics here in just a moment. First, let me describe a visual example of what I'm talking about that will lead into you understanding this a little bit better. When I was a child, I had a set of Legos. Uh, Now, Legos, for me, they weren't a huge set, but I had a lot of them. I had enough of them that if you got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you could find one of those (laughs) random Legos on the floor and step on it and really hurt your foot. The, The corners on those things are sharp, and they hurt when you step on them in the middle of the night in the dark. But I had enough of them that I loved playing with them. Now, when I was a kid, we didn't really have these big massive sets that made things like a Death Star or a battleship or anything like that. You know, we didn't have big Lego sets like that. We just had plain Legos. So we'd I'd make things like buildings and things like that. And invariably when I'd have to take it apart, I would take it apart in chunks and just throw the chunks in the big storage box that I had. Now when I got ready to play with those Legos again, I would invariably find a big piece or chunk of what I had previously built. And it would be like a corner of a building or something like that. And it was obvious that that set of Legos was the corner of a building. Now, the mystery compounds that I'm talking about are very similar. In fact, generally speaking, we call them peptides. Now, peptides are just chains of, imagine Lego blocks that represent amino acids in your body. And amino acids are just building blocks of protein. Now, if you have a chain of Legos or a chain of these amino acids that link together and they're 50 or less, that's called a peptide. Now, we can take snippets of these peptides out of known proteins in the body. For example, a hormone is just a fancy protein. So insulin, for example, we take a snippet out of that and it's a peptide and it does one particular activity. We look at growth hormone and we take one snippet out of that particular growth hormone chain and it's a peptide chain and it might be specific for getting rid of belly fat. Then we take another snippet out of another protein chain and it might increase brown fat and decrease visceral adipose tissue. Well, if you've done any kind of research in hypothermia type therapy, cold cryotherapy, what they're doing is, is they're putting your body in a state where it produces more brown fat. Brown fat on the internal part of your organs uh, in your abdominal area, brown fat will actually rev up your metabolism and cause you to burn more calories at rest. 
So there are actually peptides that do that. There are peptides that decrease visceral adipose tissue or the bad white fat that's wrapped around all your internal organs. There are peptides that decrease uh, fat on your abdomen and hips. There are peptides that improve memory and decrease anxiety and improve mood and improve sleep. And the list goes on and on and on. I'm going to talk specifically about some of these in relationship to brain fog. But that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about peptides or these building blocks of proteins, these amino acids that are linked together in a chain 50 or less. Now, some of them are called polypeptides, and that just means they have more than 50 amino acids in a chain. And some of them are called non-peptides. That means they have over 100 amino acids in a chain. But regardless, they're all kind of lumped into one category. It's a little confusing, I know, but just for the sake of discussion, we're just going to call them all peptides. Whether or not they're a peptide or polypeptide or a non-peptide, it really doesn't matter. The bottom line is these are emerging treatment compounds that are coming out on the market. And the thing is, is that they're natural. They're naturally occurring. Now, the process for extracting them is not natural. The process for recreating them in a laboratory setting is not natural, but because they are amino acids, it's not a man-made chemical structure. It's not able to be patented by big pharmaceutical companies. Therefore, they are rapidly trying to research peptides for the sake of mimicking them in a man-made chemical structure. I hope that makes sense because it's very important to know that what is coming down the pipe is huge. Peptides are literally setting the functional and integrative medicine community, the peak performance medicine community, the preventive aging medicine community on its ear because of the amount of data that's coming out and the new compounds, the new peptides that are being discovered every single day. So today we're going to focus specifically on the peptides that focus on brain fog and brain fog related disorders that are associated with brain fog. So the problem and the challenge that we run into when we're talking about new therapy modalities is the fact that a lot of times we have very limited studies. We have very little data that's been collected out there. Not that that's a bad thing because these are natural compounds, but there are a lot of natural compounds in the world that interact with real world medications and things like that. But from a natural approach and with some good emerging solid data, and I'm going to be talking about some of that here in just a second, we're actually moving in the direction in this peak performance, preventive aging, longevity type field of study, this field of medicine, we're able to make some really huge inroads into helping people feel better and helping them feel better longer and having a better quality of life outside of just simply doing diet modification, lifestyle modification, hormone replacement therapy, and so on and so forth. So the right way to approach this is really just to keep an open mind. A lot of this stuff is new. A lot of it's so new that I'm kind of one of those that I'm cautious to be an early adopter. I will adopt them personally. I will test them out on myself personally, but I'm not necessarily one that's willing to test them out on clients until I get my feet underneath me, get familiar with them clinically and start using them with myself and a few people that I know and trust really, really closely that we can test these things out. And usually these are other medical professionals that I approach and say, listen, this is what I've got. This is what it does, or it touts that it's supposed to do. Would you be willing to try it and give me some feedback on it? 
So that's kind of the stage I've been in for the past year. I've been keeping an eye on peptides for several years now, but the past year I've been in this experimentation mode with myself. Now, right or wrong, experimentation may not be the right word to use, but it's the word I use for me. By the time I get ready to start using it with clients, I'm way past the experimentation mode. I am actually seeing the studies that are coming out and the data that's coming out. I'm comfortable with the responses that I'm getting personally and and the people and my close-knit little group are having. And then I'm proceeding forward and rolling that out with clients. Now, there are some that I was early adopters on simply because they have long-term data on it. I'll discuss that here in just a moment. So peptides, let's talk about some specific peptides. Now, some of the peptides that I'm going to talk about first are specifically for neurological enhancement. There's a peptide that is relatively new on the market called cerebrolysin. Cerebrolysin, it's pretty doggone amazing in that it works in several different areas in the body. It may or may not mean anything to you, but I'll go ahead and say this, BDNF, GDNF, CDNF, ciliary neurotrophic factor or CNTF, nerve growth factor or NGF. Now, uh, that's beside the point. Don't get tied up in all of that. But the bottom line is uh, cerebrolysin is very neuroprotective. It actually promotes new cell growth in nerve tissue, specifically focusing here on the brain with this particular peptide. It improves connections between neurons, enhances learning, it enhances memory. It actually has some effect on energy and metabolism and increased glucose uptake in the brain so that the brain has more of what it needs to function. A little side note, your brain is probably one of the largest consumers of sugar than any other organ system in your body. So if you can increase glucose uptake, you're able to process faster and things like that. Now, one thing they've also found with cerebrolysin is that it actually decreases beta amyloid. Now, beta amyloid is this horrible little protein that if it builds up can lead to things like Alzheimer's. Now, you, you've heard of, uh, you may or may not have heard in Alzheimer's, the plaques that form in the brain. Now, they're not talking about cardiac plaques, like lipid plaques that form in your arteries. They're talking about beta amyloid plaques. Now, there are certain uh, natural substances like pycnogenol and curcumin, and I'm talking pure curcumin. I'm not talking turmeric here that actually decrease beta amyloid like crazy. So when we're talking about cerebral things like cerebral lysin that decrease beta amyloid, well, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't stop your things or your supplements like pycnogenol and curcumin. These are in addition to. And the other thing that they've discovered that cerebral lysin actually does is it decreases neuroinflammation. Now, when I saw this, I actually thought, my gosh, it's got application in traumatic brain injury if it decreases neuroinflammation and also MS. Well, it just so happens is that they've discovered that it does help with traumatic brain injury. There's currently some studies going on in Europe where they're looking at cerebral license slowing the progression of Alzheimer's, improving the, the symptoms of Alzheimer's, aid, aiding in the sympt- uh, stroke recovery after a stroke, aiding in traumatic brain injury recovery. And they're currently doing some animal studies with Parkinson's that are looking very promising as well. Apparently, cerebral license has an antidepressant, anti-anxiety effect. In type 2 diabetes, they're finding that cerebral license 
peripherally, meaning in the extremities, actually decreases nerve pain related to diabetic peripheral neuropathy. Now, here's an interesting study that just came out with cerebrolysin. They looked at ADHD children between the ages of 9 and 12. And what they found was 80% of participants with only one course of cerebrolysin treatment, they had 80% of them had improvement or a total amelioration of ADHD symptoms. I know that sounds crazy. I used to speak for pharmaceutical companies. I've spoken for pharmaceutical companies, two different, three different pharmaceutical companies that promoted ADHD medications. And I got to be honest with you, placebo, which is sugar pill, is probably one of the most effective drugs on the market, but it doesn't reach 80% improvement in symptoms. What this showed is that it's beating pharmaceutical agents and it's definitely beating placebo, which is huge. Now, the next uh, peptide that I'm going to move on to very quickly, and and I'm just going to discuss this one briefly, is a nasal spray, and it's called Selenk. I know that's a weird name, but it's spelled S-E-L-A-N-K, Selenk. It's a nasal spray, uh, and it's an anti-anxiety nasal spray. Now, when I was reading about this, and I've been studying about this for a while, one guy I heard speaking on this at a conference, actually, was talking about you have to be patient with it. And this guy came out of surgery. That was his background. I'm coming out of psychiatry and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, so it's going to take six to 12 weeks to kick in. He said 40% of people who take Solank respond within one to three days and the other 60% respond in three to 14 days. And I'm like, you need to be patient. You know, in the world of psychiatry, where I come out of being patient means it's probably going to take six to 12 weeks to work. And he's saying that it's going to take uh, one to 14 days to work, depending on the person. And I'm thinking that's a no brainer. This is one of the ones that I early adopted without even trying it myself, because I saw the data on it. I saw that it was amazing at what it did. And I'm telling you, folks, if you know anything about anxiety medications, they're very addictive. For example, uh, Xanax or Ativan or um, Clonazepam, they're very addictive. They have this tendency to create a dependence that the person needs more and more and more. They're very difficult to get off of. I've been able to get people off long-term users. I've been able to get them off in a very short period of time off of Clonazepam and Alprazolam, which is Xanax, very quickly, very efficiently by using Solanc. This is absolutely one of the most amazing peptides that I've used so far with clients. I'll tell you more about some of my personal experiences with some peptides coming up, but uh, I've not used this particular one because my depression and anxiety years are kind of behind me. I just don't have issues in that area right now. A Solanc also in studies shows that it helps with depression. It has some antiviral activity, which I thought, thought was very interesting. It actually improves memory, you know, and this podcast episode is about brain fog. It it improves memory and focus and blood flow to the brain. So what better way to take care of brain fog than being on a peptide like Solanc? So the next peptide is called Dihexa. Now, Dihexa is an interesting peptide that appears to have multiple applications in the areas of dementia, Alzheimer's, stroke, traumatic brain injury. There's actually some emerging data that shows that it remyelinates the spinal cord nerves and spinal cord injuries and in MS. That's huge because those are demyelination disorders, especially MS, which is very debilitating over time. 
and it remyelinates those nerves. It helps with wound repair, apparently helps with hearing loss and macular degeneration. So dihexa seems to be one of these multifactorial peptides that has a lot of different effects. Now, BDNF is something that, in, as a gene, affects learning, memory, and stress adaptation. Now, dihexa has a, a seven order of magnitude higher strength than BDNF. Now, BDNF is potent in the body when activated, but dihexa have a, has a seven order of magnitude greater strength than BDNF. This literally means if you do the calculation, because an order of magnitude is, is huge mathematically, seven orders of magnitude stronger than BDNF literally translates to 10 million times stronger than BDNF, enhancing learning, memory, and stress adaptation. In other words, neuroplasticity, the ability of the brains adapt to stresses. So dihex is definitely one of those to keep an eye on. It concerns me just a little bit, and I think I'm going to wait on the research a little bit more unless there's reason to use it like a traumatic brain injury or something like that. I think I'll hold back and watch what the research says on this. There are actually some chemotherapy-type treatments for cancer that actually deactivate certain pathways that dihexa actually activates. So I think this one is worth watching, but I don't think it's worth jumping on the bandwagon with yet. Now, one that I was an early adopter on personally, I've not tried it with any patients yet, is another peptide called RG3. Now, RG3 is a nasal spray. It enhances cognitive function. It improves energy. And the crazy thing is simulates exercise. And when you combine it with exercise, the effects are compounded drastically. There's a particular gene in the body called a pgc one alpha protein gene. And that's what uh, RG3 specifically targets. When it does this, it when the PGC1 alpha gene is upregulated, it upregulates mitochondrial biogenesis. Now, that's just a simple word for we're going to make the mitochondria more proliferative and stronger and more active. And when you make more mitochondria inside your cells, you increase your resting metabolic rate, you, which, by the way, translates to weight loss, you increase your VO2 max, which translates to better exercise tolerance, meaning you're able to go longer when you're doing endurance-type exercises like a run, a long cycling routine, a high-intensity interval training-type program, whatever, where you need more oxygen. It increases VO2 max. And previously, just with exercise alone, when you look at exercise, exercise will actually activate PGC1-alpha in itself. That's where we get some of the benefits of exercise. The downside to exercise is we produce a lot of free radicals. Now, free radicals, if left alone, they do a lot of damage to the body. So we have to get those out of there. So I know me personally, in order to help after exercise and get rid of free radicals, I onboard free radical scavengers like branched-chain amino acids, pycnogenol, grapeseed extract, high-dose vitamin C, so on and so forth, to as free radical scavengers to get those free radicals out of my body. And then I flush with plenty of water, drink plenty of water after exercise. And But the crazy thing about RG3 is that we don't really see this because it upregulates free radical scavengers, Nrf2, catalase, 
and MSOD or superoxide dismutase. Now, all those are words you don't need to get technical with. The bottom line is that it's crazy good at not only upregulating the good effects of exercise, those particular types of genes, it then comes back behind it and upregulates free radical scavengers to take care of the junk that's created by that. It also upregulates AMPK. And if you've been doing any kind of research and longevity medicine for any length of time, AMPK has been on the radar for quite a while. In fact, you'll see some data out there on AMPK related to metformin. There are some schools of thought out there that say metformin, which is a type 2 diabetes medication in low doses, probably should be taken by most everybody over 40. I personally don't subscribe to that. I think you can take care of those things in other ways, but I see where they're coming from. And we do know that people who take metformin long-term tend to have fewer incidences of stroke and heart attack and Alzheimer's, and they think it's because of this upregulation of AMPK. They call it an, an, a longevity-type enzyme, and it upregulates PACC and da- downregulates mTOR, which is very beneficial for longevity, overall health, and just in general feeling well and longevity. So bottom line is RG3 is pretty amazing. I've been taking RG3 now for about four months. And what the biggest thing I've noticed other than attention, concentration, and focus, brain fog is completely gone. And not that I was having a lot of it, but I thought I was in a good place until I got on RG3 and it was like, oh my gosh, I mean, there is no brain fog. It helps me focus and concentrate. It helps me push through on tasks. And one thing I've noticed in the gym is like my VO2 max has gone up tremendously. It's like I can go for hours if I wanted to doing cardio, whereas previously I was pretty gassed at the 35 to 40 minute mark. So now it seems like I can just go kind of like the Energizer Bunny. And the crazy thing is, is it doesn't cause any kind of tachycardia. It doesn't have a stimulant effect or anything like that. It just increases the resting metabolic rate and, and the VO2 max in that particular respect. So anyway, that's kind of the neurologics, unless we start talking about sleep. And and then you could probably put sleep peptides in the neurologic category. But when it comes to attention, concentration, and focus, and brain fog, usually from a lifestyle standpoint, one of the first things I talk to people about, aside from diet, is how are you sleeping? The third thing is hydration. So sleep, diet, and hydration. If those things are on point, then we can proceed forward and move on to the next. But a lot of times you're going to find one or two or all three of those out of sorts, out of whack. And when that occurs, just look at sleep. If sleep alone is out of whack, you're going to have brain fog. You're not going to function well the next day. There's actually some good data on kids and testing scores who don't, kids who don't sleep well and their their attention, concentration, focus, their brain fog is higher and they actually score lower on cognitive testing. So we know that sleep is important. I'm preaching to the choir here. My listeners know that. But there's a peptide called DSIP. It stands for Delta Sleep Inducing Peptide. Now, the problem with DSIP is it's only effective in 50% of people that take it. But when it is effective, it's they jokingly call it the sleep of the dead. In other words, you go into very robust stage four deep sleep. And that's why they call it the sleep of the dead. I have not used DSIP in anyone yet. I'm pretty good at taking care of sleep issues in other ways, but it's one of the ones that I would not have any hesitation using at this point based on the data that we have. Another sleep peptide that can help with those types of issues is apitalon. Now, apitalon, depending on what country you're in, will be called apitalon, E-P-I-T, 
P-I-T-H-A-L-O-N or a Pithalon, E-P-I-T-H-A-L-O-N. It's, just, it's spelled different country to country. It's the same peptide. And this particular peptide is very interesting to me. I've personally done one round. Now, I didn't say this early, and I'll say it now. Some peptides are taken continuously. Some peptides are taken for short courses and then stopped, and you may or may not need them again. And some peptides, like apitaline, are actually taken on an ongoing cyclical basis. So in other words, with apitaline, you're taking a 20-day course. It is an injection with a little bitty insulin syringe needle. It's an injection of a half of a cc every day for 20 days, and you repeat that every six months. Now, I'm going to talk in the next section coming up here about apitaline specifically, but just related to sleep, it increases the secretion of melatonin in the brain by as much as threefold. And the sleep studies that have been done are actually shorter-term studies. But And we're going to talk about some longer-term data with Apitalon. It's probably one of the oldest known peptides on the market, the oldest researched anyway. And that research comes out of Russia. But that's beside the point. Apitalon resets their circadian rhythm. An interesting thing that they found with Apitalon related to sleep, when they were doing the sleep studies, they noticed from just observational studies when they were collecting their data that other studies showed that shift workers who worked at night, whether they be flight attendants or nurses or doctors who worked night shifts and slept during the day, when their circadian rhythms were off like that, they had increased cancer rates. With the Pitalon, uh, they actually noticed that the cancer rates went down for shift workers. I thought that was pretty amazing. So is sleep related to cancer? I think the answer is yes. And that's another one of those emerging things that we've seen is that we know that shift workers actually have higher rates of certain types of cancer. And apitalon appears to not only help with uh, melatonin secretion, it also appears to decrease uh, cancer rates and shift workers. Now I'm going to talk a little bit more detail about apitalon. Dr. Cavinson out of the University of St. Petersburg in Russia has long-term data on this particular peptide. He's been fascinated with it for almost 20 years. And to date, we have going on a 15-year longitudinal or long-term study with Apitalon. Now, that's unprecedented. And this is a human study. These are not animal studies. And this is what he's found, an eight-fold improvement in work capacity. Now, let me tell you how significant that is. Because the participants that Dr. Cavinson put into the study, if you had to guess their age, what would you say? If you're thinking in the 20s and 30s, you're wrong. He actually did what researchers never do, and they put participants, study participants in who were over age 70. So the gamut between age 70 and 90 is where his study participants lie. And and typically, as a research and research design, unless you're looking at a geriatric drug, you do not include people like that in a study that's looking at enhancement in energy, enhancement in longevity, so on and so forth. You're going to look at younger populations, like in their 40s and 50s and things like that. But these folks were between age 70 and 90, and they had an eight-fold improvement in work capacity. They subjectively said that they just had an overall sense of well-being that was greater than it was before the study. They really didn't have a tool to measure that. I was kind of 
sad about that because there are some really good uh, tools out there for an assessment of well-being, but they didn't they didn't assess that in the beginning. They just said subjectively they reported uh, increased sense of well-being. 65% experience increase in heart rate variability. Now, heart rate variability is what they're calling the other vital sign. It's what we're learning that actually is probably more predictive of longevity than anything. You may have heard it referred to as HRV. So heart rate variability is very important, but there's a 65% of participants experience an increase in HRV, a 2.5-fold decrease in fatigability. Participants who were taking a pitolon, 67% increased survivability over a 15-year period. Uh, bottom line, that translates to the fact that you live longer when you're doing this particular peptide. Now, telomere length is, the best way I know to explain that is, is if you remember those old Xerox machines and you, you would make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy and it would get more and more grainy and dirty looking over time. That's what happens with our genes. And it's due to the length of the telomere getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It's just not as healthy as it used to be. It's not as clear as it used to be. Well, what they found with Epitalon is a 15 to 33% increase in telomere length. So it's reversing that process and making it better. It normalizes cholesterol. There's a 56% improvement in memory. See, there you go with the brain fog stuff. 35% increase in T-cell function. Those are those are a specific type of white blood cells that are kind of first line of defense when you get ill. And as we age, our T cells go down. They had a 35% increase in T cell function, a 2.4 fold increase in melatonin, 80% increase in bone density, 28% decrease in mortality, and a significant increase in skin elasticity and youthful appearance. Epitalon is probably one of the most amazing peptides I've seen other than this next one that's coming up, and it's a new kid on the block. It's called MOTS-C. Now, it is so new that I am personally about to try it myself. I have not had a client on it. I don't know anybody that's taken it other than my mentor who's actually uh, guiding me through this peptide journey. And uh, But MOTS-C, being brand new on the market, looks pretty amazing. It actually increases thermogenic brown fat. We talked about brown fat earlier in the podcast episode. It actually increases that. It actually increases weight loss or increased metabolism over the long term. It decreases fat gain when you're on a high-fat ketogenic type diet. It increases glucose uptake and glycolysis, which and it upregulates mitochondrial biogenesis. And we know from the previous couple of moments ago that increases your resting metabolic rate, increases your VO2 max. And then there's this little thing called NAD. NAD is this energy substance that your mitochondria use for fuel. It cycles in and out of the mitochondria at 60,000 times per second. NAD is very difficult to measure. You can measure byproducts of NAD, but NAD in and of itself is very difficult to measure. And it elevates cellular NAD. This is huge, people. I can't explain how huge this is because you're talking about attention, concentration, focus, and brain fog. A lot of times it's related to very weak, very sluggish mitochondria. And when you can start helping those mitochondria get better, then you're going to help with things like brain fog. So that kind of wraps it up for the peptides. I know that was fast and furious. The bottom line is these are new these are emerging. There are things that we have to keep an eye on. And when we get rid of brain fog, I mean, it just the it opens up a whole oyster shell full of possibilities 
of what's out there for us. Being a better husband, being a better wife, being a better partner, being a better parent, being a better boss, uh, being able to do the things that you want to do, being able to accomplish the things you want to accomplish, getting back to peak performance and having this longevity that is quality longevity, not just longevity for the sake of longevity. So again, I think the possibilities are pretty limitless when you get rid of brain fog. And I'm pretty sure if you think about it, you'll feel the same way. That wraps it up for today. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm a peak performance and longevity strategist. You know, I help entrepreneurs, influencers, and CEOs, high-achieving people move from great to extraordinary by crafting a custom-tailored wellness plan that helps them uncover hidden imbalances, dominate at the peak performance level, and optimize for life longevity. If you're struggling with brain fog or just plain old feel bad and can't quite seem to find the right solution to fix it, my inbox is always open. I'd love to schedule a breakthrough call with you so we can explore some possible solutions to get you back on track. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook at The Optimal CEO, and I'll send you a link for a quick application. Then if I see we're a good fit, we'll schedule a call. I'd like to thank you for joining me today. Please tune in next time. We're going to be talking about more ways that you as a high achieving person can live an optimized life. You won't want to miss it. So stay tuned. Until next time, this is Dr. Brian Brown, the Optimal CEO, signing off. I hope you have an optimal day. Here at the Optimal CEO Podcast, we help CEO entrepreneurs who love taking ownership of their wellness journey because they know it's their most prized investment. And when their state of wellness is at its peak, their income soars. We want to help relieve CEO entrepreneurs from the pressure of unnecessary health exposure so they can be highly focused on growing their business and physically optimized for the journey so they can enjoy getting there. 